one thing's true for a lot of us. We're wrapping up deer season for 2021, and we're rolling into habitat season 2022. And if we're looking to improve our success during the 2022 season, we need to do the work this winter. January, February, March are our favorite times to put habitat and use habitat restoration on our farms. That's right. This is the best way to separate yourself from the pack and really get ahead of what's happening in your neighborhood from a resource standpoint. And one of the tools that we love to use from a planning standpoint and implementation standpoint is Onyx Maps. The usability for landowners in there is incredible. Whether you're working with contractors, you're sharing waypoints and marking units like TSI, food pot expansions, bedding thickets, identifying invasive species to removal, you could share all that information and mark it and categorize it all within Onyx Maps on your phone or in a desktop version. It's a fantastic tool. Every land manager needs to use it. We use it every single day, and we're hopefully going to help you use this tool to improve the habitat on your farm and help you be a better habitat manager. Right now, we have a 20% discount using promo code LANDANDLEGACY20 at Onyx. This is the Land and Legacy Podcast. Brought to you by Whitetail Properties Real Estate. We're your hosts, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. This is your weekly resource for habitat management, wildlife management, and recreational real estate. We hope you guys enjoy the show. All right, guys. All right, here we go. Kicking it off. Matt, you on there? I am here. What's awesome. up, guys? You know, this is the first run through, Matt. He's calling in, so he's unaware of, of what happened just then as we kicked in the podcast. Totally different setup than we've used ever before, a little bit more of a studio setup. So I'm playing the intro, and I play the music, and uh, Matt, right out of the gate, I, I do the intro, and, and it's playing. It's the introduction, Land Legs podcast, brought to you Whitetail Properties, blah, 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 blah. We go through that thing, and I go, all right, and then the music plays. I was like, forgot about the music. <laughs> and the music plays out, and then here we go, jump right in. So, well, it's uh, funny because like I heard you say, "All right," and I was like, "Was that?" Well, well, yeah. What I had, I had you on mute too, so I didn't hear it. It sounded like you were doing the dishes right before I said "let's roll," and it was like clang clang. I was like, "Mute that guy." And uh, I was, I was finishing up my uh, bowl of ice cream. (laughs) Gotcha. (laughs) Nothing says like I'm ready to podcast like a bowl of ice cream. Yeah, in the dead of winter. (laughs) In the dead of winter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh goodness. Yeah. (laughs) There's no shame here. Yeah. So. you know, just as we mentioned, the reminder for Land and Legacy 20 at OnX um, with with that app, OnX Hunt. Check it out in the App Store. Um, been using a lot lately, Matt. My goodness. Ugh. We've been all yes. over the place this week, and uh, it's going to continue each and every week here for, for several weeks. Um, you know, several let's, weeks. let's, let's, well, I'm saying several weeks <laughs> until baby number three gets here, and then I'm going to take a brief pause. And yes, then jump right. right back in the middle of it. And so, you know, uh, one thing's true that this is the time of the year that we do so much of our consulting. And um, I think it's, I, I like to share this with people because some comments we get is like, I didn't know you guys worked in this state. And I think to myself, okay, um, maybe we need to talk about it more, but we've been in like 29 states, brah. Like, I don't <laughs> know really, uh, name a state. 
and we've likely been there unless you go on the western states in the very northeast, but anywhere else from Florida to Minnesota and Texas to New York, we've been there most likely. Yeah. Yeah. And we so, love so, to be there. Oh, totally, totally. Where where were you at this week? So I ventured I made a uh a nice big scenic tour of Oklahoma um nice. to start off the week. Uh last Sunday, I kicked it off in, um, I guess it was a week ago now because this is Sunday. It doesn't seem like okay. I was, doesn't seem like it was just a week ago. My goodness, it feels like just two days ago that I was there, but I was in southern Oklahoma, right on the Red River and, nice. uh, down by Ardmore. And, uh, you know, yep. kind of an area hotspot for us. We've got several clients down there. It's a really good area and, um, for, for a lot of things, but, um, that's where I was. I kicked it off there on a couple hundred acres, a really cool property, lots of cedars, unfortunately, but as part of the restoration process, that'll, that'll change rather quickly. A lot of big, big, big post oaks and blackjack oaks, uh, like savannah type trees, real wolfy. And then everywhere there was a little opening in the timber, there was native grass popping up. So, um, that was really cool. And then as, uh, as I finished that one up, I jumped in the truck looked at my GPS, no service. And I stopped <laughs> at the gas station. I said, Hey, ma'am, how far do I have to drive west to get to cell service? And she goes, where are you headed? And I went west for a few hours and then Northwest. She goes, you're going to have to get into Texas. I need to get any service. And I was like, <laughs> cool. Didn't have any plans of doing that. And I, I looked at her and I said, you guys have an atlas, like a a, a paper atlas, and she goes, she goes, kind of chuckled and said, "No." I was like, oh, "Rut row, this is gonna be fun." So I got in the truck and pointed her west and thought, "Okay, couple hours, surely I'll get enough service." And about an hour or so in, I I had enough service to get an update to see, okay, you know, I need to be making a turn up here. And uh, go that way. So as I as I finished up that one, and I kind of just took a, a a scenic tour through southern Oklahoma, very north Texas, and then I ventured up north and hit just west of the Wichita Mountains in Oklahoma, mm-hmm. which yeah. is just a beautiful part of the world. And uh, I drove through about one million <coughs> windmills, and I ventured yeah. my way up to north northwest Oklahoma, right before you get to the Panhandle Woodward area. And uh, right on the Cimarron River, and I was up there with the guys from Whitetail Properties, so um, to to kind of take a look over that ranch, and man, that was just a, a really fun fun uh, treat for me to see that country once again. It'd been several years since I was near Woodward, and uh, I love the challenge of new places, and I love the really. It's not necessarily a challenge. I guess I need to backtrack on that. But it's ultimately a new set of plants with the same principles, and then going how do we how do we manipulate these these plants to reach the goals of the landowner? Well, and, and uh, I would say it's it's a it's some of them are new, some of them aren't. But but the arrangement of those plants really changes. Like the composition of X acres is completely different out there. Yeah. And I mean the you know the 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 odd thing about this is Cimarron River is a salt river. Um, it's I mean you like you taste it and it's like the ocean. 
very, very salty. And, um, you know, even walking around in the mornings when there's been, a, like, when it would get down to in the 20s, you would see salt crust, like, on salt crystals on top of the sand. Wow. And like, Jiminy, Christmas, this is salty. And, of course, the pH is 7.5 to 8.8 8, uh, in a lot yeah. of the food plots. So it's going to be a little bit of a challenge to try to mend those um so those soils and bring those food plots down and, and get them to a more productive state. But it's probably going to be a lot of rearranging as well. I mean, there's still some crops in the area, wheat and milo. Um, and, uh, you know, we saw five coveys of quail and about 12 to 15 pheasants, um, a bunch of deer. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a very fun project. And, and the cool thing is that if you guys want to see, see it, go to Landbeat, um, the Landbeat series on Whitetail Properties' YouTube channel or social media, and you can see upcoming videos of my visit out there. Um, and then, you know, that that's going to be a fun one for us just because I know there's a lot of guys. Lo and behold, small world, I posted a picture in a, in a, in a um, listener of the podcast, I believe, as well as social media follower um, said, hey, you know, I know that area. It's like, what in the world? How in the world? And so, yeah, um, it cool is area. I'm excited to get back out there in a few months um, and, and not see it again till next winter because I would rather not be there during the heat of the summer. There might might be a snake or two waiting on you out there. Oh, mm, mm. the landowner told me he saw one last year that was as big around as his forearm and is about four and a half foot long. Woof. Yeah. No, thanks. Yeah. Yeah, and and then they also had another one that was right out next to the fire pit that we set out next to every night. Oh <laughs> that, no, that made you feel good. Uh, <laughs> at least, at least it is January. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And they said we don't. We as soon as it warms up, we're wearing snake boots out here year round, uh, or yeah. I guess any time besides the winter. Okay. I, oh, and we saw waterfowl everywhere. My goodness, there was there was mallards all over the place. So then when I wow. finished that. I came home for a few days, and then you and I both two different kind of two different it's it's like sometimes those trips that we go on where lo and behold you know i'm going somewhere you're going somewhere and then we meet back up at the airport like last year for some reason or last this fall we were like flying all over in different places and then we met up in chicago for the same flight home and you know you were already in northern missouri and i'm driving up there and you're like i got a hotel room okay cool and then we end up having we end up sharing a hotel room um even though we worked two totally different properties. So worked in West Oklahoma, South Oklahoma, Northern Missouri. Where were you? I was in Northern Missouri for several days, um, working on, on a couple just really fantastic farms. Um, you know, the, the farms are great, but I swear the people that we're so fortunate enough to work with are, are even better. And, um, so you sound like a politician. <laughs> I, I mean it though, like I, the, the, the relationships that we are able to build are, are f- fantastic and the properties are great, but like, I think some of the potential of the properties is always dependent upon who's at the helm of them, you no know, doubt. who's driving that ship. And, um, you know, I was encouraged and enthused by the enthusiasm of these landowners that we had the the privilege of working with. And so 
we've we've worked with properties, Matt, where, you know, if you scale it out one to 10 and you show up and it's a six or a seven, you're like, it's a pretty good property. And then you talk to the landowner a year later and he's like, "Eh, eh, eh," and you're like, it's still at a six. And then you got other ones where you show up and you're like, this is a three at best. And the landowner doesn't really seem to be too ambitious. He's limited on time. And all of a sudden he did something. He figured out a contract crew or whatever. And he, you talk to him again. You're like, there very well could be a seven or an eight after oh, everything yeah. they did. With, without a doubt. And, um, it, they're both those products. They're, they're going to be, um, you know, intensive on the transformation and there'll be, there'll probably honestly be some content, on land beat and the the future transformation of those properties as well and i'm i'm very excited for them and just the opportunities to show everyone who's listening now that visual side of transformations um i'm I'm really excited to to have that as a component uh of content that we're able to put out now with with this relationship so um yeah that that's been great and then Kyle um, Hedges, uh, Land Legacy Consultant, he was out in Kansas today. We're actually going to hear uh, next week on the podcast uh, kind of how that went <coughs> and kind of do a wrap up with him. Um, so I guess, but then this week I'm headed to Ohio and Pennsylvania. And then I think you've got some travel coming up here shortly or at the end of this week as well. Where are you going to be at? I'm headed to Eastern Missouri tomorrow. Or yeah, tomorrow <clears throat> to work Tuesday. And then mm-hmm. I'm headed to uh, Arkansas, I believe, on Saturday. That's right. Yes. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Somewhere not too far across the border. Nope. Not, yeah. It's not, not far. I'm going to definitely um, we'll scrub my boots when I get back in the truck. I, I don't think anyone's going to understand your joke. I know, but it's a, right in the heat of the, right in the heart of the CWD area. We yeah. always make that joke. You go somewhere in a CWD, scrub your boots. You no, know, as, as if it's like sand spurs that you bring back to the beach. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man, well that, that'll be cool. You'll be able to hop around and I know some of those, um, that, and that, that farm in Arkansas has, has a cattle component, um, as well so you know guys keep following along as we're tackling the countryside and um there'll be more again cool project for us to to share with you but we do just kind of like to paint that picture of the different stuff that we're able to to see and be a part of because it does provide some context for where Mm -hmm. some of the discussions and podcast ideas come from um and it's it's helpful for you guys to know where that experience is yeah. coming from restoring native ecosystems for game and non-game animals one farm at a time yes yes bound and determined yeah like rust on steel baby <laughs> right on yeah well that, that kind of brings up honestly the uh the topic for this week um you, you said you said the term ecosystem and you know, we could have titled the the podcast something with along the lines of like ecosystem management and whatnot, but but ultimately, what it what it boils down to, Adam, is we see the best results 
when you go all in. Yeah. And and what I what uh, I mean here's by the, that, here's the the loose term is I ain't bluffing. I'm all in. Yeah. That's that's right. That's right. I mean at the end of the day whether whether we talk about literally everything that we do on properties. We don't have any techniques that we don't share. Um, we talk about it here on the podcast. It's, it's, it's literally like an open book. Um, it's just, it's the arrangement of them that changes so drastically from property to property in the region, the emphasis that we put on, you know, these different techniques. So <clears throat> it's not like there's, we're withholding information. So, so when we go to a property and we work those properties and develop that plan for folks, we're talking about every acre has some sort of purpose <coughs> and role given to it. It's mm-hmm. got some designation. It's got this um, end or future, like a desired condition that it needs to be in. Maybe it's close to it already, but maybe it needs a lot of manipulation to get there. And so there's so, so essentially there's no part of the farm that's, idle or not working mm-hmm. um and what we at some have, at some point or another in the year um i think sure. that's something yeah. too that you know just because we say hey guys we want every acre to be providing something that doesn't mean that because of that that during the hunting season you have to worry about a deer being on any and every acre of the farm and you think I feel like I'm going to be busting deer left and right. But right, no, right. there's things that you can do to provide benefit to wildlife during portions of the year that aren't during the hunting season. And in fact, that's that's ultimately why we talk so much about diversity and, and understanding that, you know, each and every week food sources change. And most likely yeah. each and every day bedding, um, not bedding areas, but bedding locations and I, I'm we're talking feet wise change, um, and then and throughout the seasons, the the animal itself changes from fawning to growing antlers to shedding antlers to the rut and all of that. So that's why it's so crucial that we talk so much about using the entire farm because you paid for it, you're paying taxes on it. Why not make it beneficial? Yeah, and 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 there are techniques that. A lot of people, I would say, maybe are are easier to convince of their necessity on a farm to be put into place, right? So some examples of those, food plots and bedding thickets, areas that, um, you know, you just consistently have game, specifically white-tailed deer, bedded. So it makes hunting improved. And then there's a lot of other techniques that I feel like almost get put into this category of secondary or not as impactful, um, less than those techniques that we just mentioned, food plotting and bedding. Like that that just seems like to be those are the flashy the, the ones. Yeah, they're they're the flashy ones because they do make a big difference on a property. They can have a large they're, impact. Yeah, they're easy <laughs> battles to win. They're easy things to, you know, Ultimately, yeah, you you could screw up a food plot fairly easy, but if you if you have a farm and you just purchased a farm and there's an an acre that's just really nothing but let's just say it's old field or it's 
or it's just kind of an old fallow used to be pasture and you spray it out and you disc it up and you broadcast some turnips at three pounds of the acre and you're like, you didn't do anything else. It's going to grow. And because of that disturbance, there's probably some other plants growing that the deer find more beneficial because it is an early success. You, you removed from perennial base to a, to a, or a, to an annual base. And all of a sudden you feel like, I mean, you're, you're feel like a brand new man or million dollar man because you made that happen and deer utilize it. It's easy. And the same thing with bedding, especially if you're in an area where bedding, really dense bedding, um, bedding cover is not abundant. You go cut half acre out with chainsaw and it takes you an hour. And then all of a sudden you go back the next weekend and the deer blow out of there. You feel like, wow, I'm the man. I'm, I, I know what I'm, I know what I'm doing. Those are easy. Yeah. And, and, and essentially those, those two things solve a lot of issues for, for hunters, right? They solve kind of the, where are deer going to be during this time frame, And then where are they going to? Okay. I've got those two things figured out. Now I can hunt successfully. And a lot of people just stop and end there. And yeah. this podcast is designed to talk about your property this is a more or less a land legacy philosophy of management for an entire entire ecosystem and think of your property as its own independent standalone ecosystem and so what really is an ecosystem it, well it's a combination of all the things working together in a landscape um, that support one another that have specific roles and that's essentially what your property well, it sound like should a Webster's be. definition to me. That was off the top of your head, wasn't it? Absolutely was. <laughs> um, and but, and then you just went to something else. So I'm sitting here trying to read that in Webster's, going, "Hmm, I've never seen them end with and." But yeah, you did pretty good. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> that was that was the um, the shorthand recalled by memory definition. Yeah, <laughs> on the fly, I felt like it was yeah. important to to talk about maybe let's define that um i should i should have done that before i was eating my ice cream but i before you got put on the spot because it kind of sounded like the definition that a guy in the back of the class that was snoozing the teacher goes what's the definition of a of a uh, ecosystem matthew and you're like huh (laughs) yeah yeah a biological community of interacting organisms and their physical environment well very good matt you, you I mean, that's not bad. Not bad. Come you on. gave a pretty good, pretty good hack at it. I haven't studied in a while. Come on now. So yeah. anyhow, everyone now knows what we're talking about when we, when we use that word ecosystem and how it is going to apply to your property. Mm-hmm. I think people in the management of, of a given property, um, I, I think it's kind of human nature to to know in the back of your head that deer, turkeys, quail, they're a product of like an entire neighborhood, maybe not just your property, but one of one of our things that we teach and preach, especially in, on the on-site visit is, listen, you can only control what's happening on your property. What happens if a neighbor sells and someone comes in and clear cuts it or someone comes in and dozes it and puts it in pasture and you were relying on that resource to to um, benefit from and the wildlife were benefiting from that. Uh, now, all of a sudden, that's completely changed and your property 
is going backwards in its productivity. Whereas if you think solely your property and its boundaries, I'm in control of this, that means I need to be offering every single thing that, that the species that I am trying to intend to promote on the property, whether it be deer, turkey, quail, or, or a bunch of other non-game species, when you start thinking that way, you, you cover the basis and, and that's where the mindset of, okay, this is kind of ecosystem development within the property. Uh, I, the importance of going beyond a food plot and a veterinary really take place. And the techniques that cover that mm. really go into things such as, and Adam, I think you've got a, you got a list there. Yeah. So cover the ones that I, that I don't mention, but like things such as TSI or, or edge feathering or old field management. I'm sorry. Uh, how did you say that? Old field oh, management. Sound like said ode. <laughs> I, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> Um, think it ice cream or was it peanut butter? Yeah, no, it was ice cream, cold okay. tongue. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> now I'm all sidetracked. What are, yeah. what are the cedar other thinning? Possibly could be one. Um, invasive yeah. species control, um, wildlife openings, water holes, pollinator plantings, prescribed fire, tree plantings, food plots, screening. Road creation. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of these, if you were to ultimately, if you want to get a better understanding of, of in simple terms of this podcast is going rank these out from bedding thickets to food plots and everything and to road creation and everything in between rank it out from the best to the worst. And we're saying that with each one of these, if you want them to be the best, it requires all the others. Uh, absolutely. So it I wouldn't be, like, it would be like bedding thickets are way at the top, but they're not nearly as good on a scale of one to 10. If it's a, a blank timber stand property, that's got no cover and all you did were bedding thickets. Well, great. You just went from a, a zero or a one to six. But if you want that six because of the cover, um, to get higher, then you need to add food plots and TSI, and then we'll move it up to a seven or an eight. But then you go, well, if if it's just a blank two hundred acre timber plot and our timber lot, and all we did was put in food plots, well, that means it went from a, a zero or one to a four. Food plots are great, but if you don't have bedding thickets. It's not nearly as good. So then if you add bedding thickets and then edge feathering, then it went from a, a three four, or a four to a six or a seven. Yeah. I, hopefully I hopefully that, people are tracking because not one one is not superior over the other. Food plots right. is not more superior than bedding thickets, and bedding thickets are not su- more superior than food plots. And food plots aren't great if you don't have edge feathering or screening or um, – and food plots can get overbrowsed pretty easily if you aren't using old field management and prescribed fire. Timber stand improvement is great, but if you're not adding some nice big uh, bedding thickets around, then it's hard to define where the deer are bedding. And it's, it's, and it's hard to pro- provide a, an abundant amount of young forest if all you're doing is TSI. Now, it'd take a lot of acres, and you could do it, 
but you're missing out on the defined pattern ability of a bedded deer and understanding where deer are going. Um, and, and different types of TSI are, are crucial, not just the blanket. Yeah. Cut, cut the trees, cut the, cut the bad trees. Well, that's just a blanket answer. And so you got to account for the side index. You got to account for the soil type. You got to account for the, the sun exposure and the type of trees that are there and past history that's been going on. Yeah. I, I think of like the term exponential growth to really describe a property that, that has gone through all these, all the necessary recommendations that, that we make or that a landowner's decisions that they've come to has made and they've implemented everything that the property should have and, and it should be the way it is. All the features are present and, and they're, they're done in a, in a great spatial layout. That person is going to be experiencing, experiencing over the course of time exponential growth and results. They probably throughout their time of implementing all these techniques, they were seeing results and they were seeing growth and they were seeing lots of great things. But when all of it came together, the amount of results then skyrocketed. And, and I think that, let, I, I, I kind of want to honestly take deer off of the equation for a second because let's put in something that we know is potentially struggling in your respective area. Let's talk about quail. Let's talk about turkeys because generally the recruitment rate um, for deer is not difficult. It's not deer, hard to deer have. are easy. Yeah, like and it, it's that's, not hard. To, that's why our business is not devoted okay. solely on deer because they're easy compared to quail and turkeys. Yeah, it, exactly. So, so let's go to a species that may be hurting. Right. If we go into a property and the landowner says, my main focus is wild turkeys and I don't want to just be successful and hearing some in the spring and tagging, you know, like my bag limit and maybe it's two for that state. They're like, I want to be a factory of turkeys. I want turkeys in here like crazy. Well, I know that you could probably go and doze out a ridge top on two acres and plant some clover and kill some turkeys in the spring like that's going to be a strut zone that can happen but that's not producing turkeys it's it's the the tsi of varying degrees like you stated it is the combination then of having old field or early successional plant communities for great brooding cover using um, prescribed it, fire Absolutely. Using, you, possibly if you're in a more open <laughs> landscape, using grazing to add a, a, a natural disturbance yep. to create forb growth by summer grazing, as mm -hmm. well as adding that bare ground and those manure piles to attract more insects. Like it's a very complex thing. And, and so, yeah. It's, it's a complex thing, but, but it's, it can be boiled down to, Put everything on the landscape that those those birds need, and then you'll see what we're talking about when we're when we're saying treat the property like it's its own ecosystem. These things build upon one another over time, and I I, I just I can't I guess get over it. it's kind of difficult to describe it I guess in a podcast, but 
but the spatial arrangement of these things where we're talking about, I mean, just imagine from a, a spring setting where you're, you're an avid turkey hunter and you have a recently thinned and then a burned woodlot adjacent to um, a two-year-old or three-year-old um, pollinator planting that then there is um, a, a clover plot close by with some great edge feathering in transition that maybe got in, half of it got incorporated from that timber burn. Like, where else would I want to be if I'm a turkey? Yeah. It's not because one of those features is there. It's because just in this, let's say, 40-acre section, everything I need is there. It, mm-hmm. I've got all these components working together. Oh, and, and, and then the landowner last year decided to put in a wildlife watering pond <clears throat> and collect some runoff from the food plot, and I've this, got some water. sounds like, like a place I know. <laughs> Well, it's a picture, a picture I've painted in my head. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> but, but I'm just saying, like, yes, the woodlands is in that is in that exact same type of transformation that that situation is going to be created, and it's not going to be one location every single spring that's going to have that. There could be two to three, maybe three to four, depending on that burn rotation. But I mean, it's again not one of these features that is creating it. It is all of them combined together. And so I think one of the main takeaways from this discussion is if you're seeing results, that is wonderful. We want you to see those results, but don't delay and wait and say, well, you know, the hunting has increased. I'm I'm now harvesting what I wanted to harvest, especially from the deer side of things, or I'm seeing that type of activity, that predictability. Like, there's not a buck on camera that I didn't have an encounter with this year. Okay, wonderful. Let's celebrate that. But let's also not forget that there still is the TSI to be done. There still is cedar thinning. You need to be prepping those fire breaks. We've got all these other components that need attention and love and then you can experience that exponential growth in results and not just result. Yeah. And I think of it like this too, with, with just so many guys deal with this, including myself for a lot of years is if you weren't managing the timber, you weren't managing the old fields, you weren't managing the openings for wildlife openings. You ultimately were only managing the food plots. And then you started to say, you know what, let's let this population grow. I'm not going to shoot any does for a while. And you only grew food plots that was really the only thing you did or you were you were doing food plots and feeders and mineral okay um so the feeders were helping add um ultimately a unrealistic carrying capacity but then you had the food plot there close by you were attracting a lot of the deer in that area whose core area or home range overlapped in that area, you were attracting the food plot to where you had way too much browse pressure on the food <laughs> plot to where it wasn't doing very much. If you were to add old field or even edge feathering, some TSI, wildlife openings, prescribed fire, you could increase the amount of forage available throughout that area to where it's not a um, a, a false carrying capacity like you would have if it was just feeders but in you know, food plots. But now you have the ability to feed more deer. So because you added these others, these other practices, you now are making the food plot more beneficial, more attractive during the, 
during the hunting season because it's not getting pounded in July, August, and early September with browse pressure. And you now have something that's beneficial as well as you just have the ability to carry more deer on the property because you have more food throughout it and better cover. Yeah, absolutely. I, it, I think that's a, that's a, go ahead. I, I think of it like this too, because I'm kind of in the middle of this as we're prepping our house to get ready to sell. And, and, I'm, and my head's been kind of wrapped around this because a lot of guys talk about their farms as, you know, with, with our, with our uh, job, we do some, inter- we work on some interesting farms with interesting business strategies. Sometimes it's a legacy farm one that is going to be passed down from generation to generation. Like I hope my farm is, I mean, it's already been passed from a grandpa to my dad and then eventually to myself and Lord willing on down the chain, um, on down the, the family tree, or I guess on up the family tree. Um, but then, you know, as I, as I look at the other business side of the buying a farm, there's the guys who are using it as an investment and they're prepping it for resale. They're trying to not only play into the market where the price of land overall is going up, but they're trying to make it more attractive to a certain buyer to say it's it's worth a couple hundred dollars more an acre than the normal just wreck ground that's not managed for any kind of deer or any kind of wildlife. So ultimately, here's my comparison as I look at it in in my situation in life where we're we're trying to sell our house and we're get it ready to sell. And you got you look at everything where you're like, okay, we just put in a new HVAC, a new hot water heater. That increases our, our resale value. We're changing out and, and fixing our showers to where everything is, you know, is perfect and matches. So it's all the same color or finish from the shower head to the spout to the handle in the bathroom, uh, the, the, the sink faucet. Um, and they also match the doorknobs and then all the paint we're going around and fixing up all the paint, making sure there's no big holes or chips where, you know, the kids took a uh, shopping cart and slammed it into the corner that their aunt and uncle bought them for their birthday and making sure those chips aren't out. Did you catch that one, Matt? I absolutely did. My <laughs> wife bought that. Not my, not myself. <laughs> Because my my immediate thought was those poor walls. Oh yeah, <laughs> only there was there was only one chip, and I don't know which kid did it, but you know you you have to look at every little detail. Today I climbed up in the uh, in the crawl space. I'm like, okay, let's make sure there's no leaks. You know, vapor barrier, everything's checking out, even on the um, on the uh, on the inspection later on. And I think of it like this: when when you buy a farm, ultimately whether you resell it or not, and you're like trying to maximize your return whether it be for your own benefit or the resale, it's like, to me, just doing food plots is like you just painted the walls. Like, you 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 painted the walls, but ultimately the foundation's still got a crack in it or the roof is still leaking. That doesn't really change a whole lot. The Sure, the immediate change up front, oh, look at all the paint. I really like this color. It's not that hideous yellow that was here before. Um and, and and that's where I feel like food plots. Oh, but now now you got to get into the nitty gritty, the TSI. Okay, well we're going to make sure that there's no leaks, there's no mold, there's uh, HVAC systems all in place. Like every every part of the house needs to be fixed if you really want to get the best return. And just like on your farm, every piece of the puzzle needs to be fixed and managed if you really want the best return. That being 
more deer, more turkeys, more quail, better hunting, or overall look at it as a resale and say, you know, when this hits the market, if it's got all these features, a great road system, great food plots, great openings, great views from the ridge tops, you could sell this to a bigger market than just a deer hunter. For sure. Yeah. I, I think that it's very common to have landowners really undervalue the potential of timbered acres. Um, and and I, I know people have heard us talk about, you know, when you're putting it in a bedding thicket, you know, ideally we're looking to have 80 to 100% open canopy to allow the proper amount of sunlight to regenerate in a young forest um, and, and have that rapid regen. Well, when we talk about TSI, and again, this can come in various uh, various forms and, and varying degrees, but um, you know, you might be able to, in, in one area, say, I'm going to reduce the canopy by 30%, or uh, in others, I'm going to reduce the canopy by 60%. I'm going to get more aggressive for whatever purposes, right? <clears throat> but essentially, if you go back a couple podcasts, where we're talking about doing TSI, it's really to create the understory. And this is why I feel like the the idea of TSI and the fact that it kind of gets put on the back burner compared to the other techniques like bedding and food plots is because we don't think of it as food plots. We're trying to manage and create an understory that's not even present there. So it's, it's hard to envision the fact that those acres are feeding acres just as much as they are like a transitional acre um, and, and potentially cover acres, you know, bottom land that gets thinned or, or maybe it's just the north slope. Those acres, even though they're thinned, at the certain times of the year, those are great bedding opportunities, uh, I think, of summer time frame. So, again, th- they can be just as impactful, but maybe the deer or, you know, to turkeys during hunting season, when you're out there observing the most you can about those patterns that you're seeing just because they're not using them during that time frame doesn't mean they're not important doesn't mean they shouldn't be there so when you hear the techniques that aren't as cool um that that aren't the bedding or the food they are just as important Uh, and and i'm gonna we've we've got to include them no doubt. I'll give some scenarios as I look at the list. You don't have the list, so you just have to tack on. But hey, let's just—I didn't—I ha- didn't have a definition for ecosystem. You winged it, and we you did pretty good. We turned out pretty good. <laughs> yeah, um, just like our business, we winged it. We turned out all right. Um, and our podcast each week. I mean, that's that's how we live our life. It seems like. Um, if you look at, let's just say timber stand improvement. That's it. That's all you did. It's 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 good. It's okay. But this is one of the scenarios where a lot of people don't like TSI, Timber Stand Improvement, because they didn't combine it with some of the other key practices that make it that much better. So if I was going to do just TSI, there's a chance that, and a pretty good chance, depending on where you're at, that things happen right after you do it that are ultimately worse off Maybe not for the deer standpoint, but worse off in long term, long term effect. So, if I'm doing TSI, it would be great to then do follow up invasive control, 
and control some of that bush honeysuckle or autumn olive or um, Japanese honeysuckle that's taken over the understory. And then not only that, take out the worst clumps of it, but then add prescribed fire to that area. And now that one, two, three punch and whoa, we're talking drastic changes. But if you only yeah. did TSI, eh, pretty good, depending on how well you did it. But then if you add invasive control and prescribed fire, oh, yeah. Now we're cooking with peanut oil, as Phil Robertson says. Like, that's pretty stinking awesome. But then you look at food plots. Food plots are all right. I mean, everyone loves food plots. There's weeks that we don't give that impression on this podcast, but we still love them. But if all you did was a food plot, yeah. But then if you added, let's say, an odd area off to the side and turned it into a tree planting with the appropriate trees, Matt loves those. But if you did it in a scenario that was really thought through and you selected the perfect one, well, now you may have an apple tree that in 10 years is raining apples during October. And the food source that you have there is phenomenal. So now you got a one-two punch on food sources. But then you they're still entering in the wrong area. They're hanging out on the other end. Well, edge feathering could help that. Oh, wow. Now now the edge feathering is steering them into the into the food plot. But where are they coming from? Well, that doesn't do us any good if if they're still bedded somewhere over to the north and the food plot faces. You sit there and face to the north. Well, that's where a bedding thicket comes in. Oh, so bedding thicket combined with edge feathering combined with the tree planting, maybe even screening and the proper road layout now make this food plot incredible. But I, I just like doing it, a food plot doesn't do you any good. It's it's like compounding success. Yeah. Like it, it, you, uh, you just. And like, I didn't even mention water hole. Yeah. Yeah. It's. It, it just everything builds upon each other, and 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 that's that's from like a you, you kind of painted that. Um, here's the here's the title of the podcast, Matt. You ready for this? Sure. Don't be a tool. Be a tool bag. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> <laughs> you would you would say that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really does. It really does take like if we have all these tools. Let's let's use them. Let's use them to our advantage. And, and the scenario you painted, you painted it from like the light of that hunting success. But but go to the life of, you know, a fawn when it's dropped oh. and, and paint that same scenario. Now yeah. we're talking about every every cycle, every life cycle, every um, every resource, every stress period can be met with all of those techniques in place, but not with just a food plot. Like the doe's not dropping the fawn in a food plot. That's right. It's, it's not Turkey's not dropping a, a net. Okay. Let's just say you took a, an old field. You could take that one step further. I could give you another strategy. Let's take an old field or a prairie planting, a monarch planting, pollinator planting, and you don't manage it with, or you're not doing invasive control and you're not managing with fire. Guess what? It's too rank. It's not very good. Yep. If you're not doing dormant season disking in that old field, it's not very good. It's thickened grass. There's too much any grass, too much switch grass, too much big blue. Turkeys aren't using it. They're using the very fringes maybe if they have to, but they don't want to. And so you take that old field or that prairie planting, 
Now you do a little disc line around it, break it up into thirds, burn one third one year, burn another third of the next year, burn another third of the next year, add a little shrub planting pocket here and there. And now you've got an area that was just burned that's great brood habitat, an area that was burned last year and the year before last, it's great nesting habitat, throw in a few shrubs. Now we got something. Yeah. And, and, and you, Matt, you don't, you don't get to hear it, but our audience will, since we have this new setup, it'd be a shame if I didn't, if I didn't use this and I'm not sure if I do, I'm going to push this and I'm not sure it's going to work for him, but so don't be a tool, be a tool bag. Matt, you don't know what it was that I just played, but it's was it, uh, it's crickets. Was it oh, crickets! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I, I uh, you could go through those scenarios one after another, but it's just like a good boxing match. You need a one-two punch. You need it. Don't just throw haymakers. Throw some jabs, man. Do a take it a step further. Be all in. You can you can play out all of those scenarios, but at the end of the day, the best scenario is the one where it's again all of these features that work with each other. It, I think some people, I guess, I guess maybe get tripped up on this aspect of it. It's the fact that like, well, isn't that going to compete with this? No, you're just you're just creating an amazing scenario for all of your acres. Again, each one of those is going to shine differently at various times of the year. And you're not going to be able to see when they all shine if you don't have all of them present because one may get consumed and wiped out or completely um, taken over by, I don't know, uh, um, let's say uh, invasive because you don't have this balancing act of enough native forage to support amount of mouths on the place so like again we there's not a better scenario than than one that addresses all the acres that you have various techniques working um alongside each other that is your best route so think of your property as an ecosystem i I think honestly that unless you got any other thoughts adam Mm -mm. there is enough to enough to digest with people for for the next week of Okay, guys, how do I, I understand that makes a lot of sense, but like, how do I, how do I move forward from this conversation and this podcast? Well, I would, I would say like, really evaluate your timber, all the areas that, that are outside of a bedding area. What is, what is their key focus? What about a, a your good, audit? I mean, honestly, a, a podcast I like that I recommend to people is fragmenting the farm. And, and having people grid out their farm, however many acres, try to break it up to where there's, you know, four, eight, six, I don't know, I went backwards, four, six, eight, 10, 12, maybe even 20 different blocks on your farm, and then trying to break it down and see, you know, what's in each one of those blocks. And if you have a whole clump, it's pretty much, it's eight blocks and they're all the same, do something, change that up. Do make it different somehow. Diversify the farm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, no, I, and I think that's a great idea. Yeah. That's where, you know, the, the theme of 2022 for us so far out of the gate has been relatively uh, oh, pretty much in the same trend of going, it's a new year, do something different. Make this yeah. your best year yet. 
if you're going to do, if you're expecting your deer season of 2022 to be your best one yet, I hope that your off season of 2022, your early months is different than all the other months, all the other years, because that's what it's going to take. You can't just go into it thinking I'm going to have a different hunting strategy in, in 2022 than I've had in years past. So, well, who cares? That's not going to change much. Change the actual habitat. Change the farm. Make the deer healthier. All of that comes into play. And so we're keeping right in line with that. This is going to be your best year yet. Absolutely. And we're going to be on a lot of farms helping people, and I'm excited for that. Uh, we, got, we got a busy week, but a fun week. And I'm coming off of making some maps and dude i got i have i have like this that my own uh rejuvenation of of being excited for the fact that man these people are out here changed like they have this roadmap to be able to create this amazing stuff and and it's kind of like we took a little break a little time um through the fall but like i feel like honestly coming out of that small break for us was good i'm I'm like full steam ahead right now. No doubt. No doubt. I'm excited. You know, it's going to be a busy year for me, but the woodlands are going to look unlike it ever has into this growing season with the major, with the major timber harvest that has occurred and all the, you know, bedding thickets that have been created, the new food plots, hopefully new road system will be finished by the time deer season gets here. Everything <laughs> is going to change the new water holes, um, all of that. So, it's going to be really, really fun. And, you know, this year, too, the, the, unlike other years with Lana Legacy, is you can find us right here on this RSS feed as well as two video content channels on YouTube with the Lana Legacy channel as well as Whitetail Properties channel as we're part in that Land Beat series, part hosting. And so you'll see a lot of us giving information there. So a lot more visual content um, coming to help people understand a lot of the practices we speak here on the podcast. So guys, I encourage yep. you once again to check that out. Um, and, and subscribe. Uh, reviews and subscribe. Yeah. We're, we're, yeah. we're looking for, for that. And we've got some awesome giveaways um, that we'll be doing here at the end of the month and the, in the weeks to come. So um, be subscribing, leaving reviews on iTunes. Uh, we appreciate all that support guys. Yep. And uh, with that being said, We will catch you next week. See ya.